they get you in, they get you in the mood to, to, um, to praise the Lord and hear the Word of God, don't they? Amen. Praise God. Well, it's good to see y'all tonight. I'm going to have you open your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians. How many are familiar with the, with the little epistle of the Apostle Paul to the Philippian church? Amen. So uh, I tell you what, some good stuff in Philippians. So tonight we're going to begin a series and a study on this little epistle to the church at Philippi, okay? And um, I believe we're going to, I believe there's going to be some, some things we're going to reap out of this, out of this epistle that are going to be a blessing to us. And as I said, it is a relatively, um, it's relatively short uh, Letter and um, so um, I don't know how long you know how we are around here. I don't know how long it'll take to get through that. How long did it take us to get through five chapters of James? A little while. Well, of course, we had a shutdown for a while, but anyway, we're uh, we're going to begin this tonight. So open with me to Philippians chapter number one, beginning with verse number one. I'm just going to read the first six verses tonight. Okay. And it says this, Paul and Timothy. Here's the introduction to the letter, the writers of this epistle. Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons, the bishops being the overseers or the pastors of the church, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day into now, being confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, add your blessing tonight to the word of God tonight and uh, just use me, anoint me, help me to teach your word. Open our heart. God, that we may receive from the Word of God in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. The book of Philippians is one of my favorite uh, epistles in the New Testament because this, this little book just pulsates and radiates with joy, with the joy of the Lord. And to read the book of Philippians is like taking a breath of fresh air. So if you want to read a, a, a good, quick read um, that will just encourage your heart, then I encourage you to read and study these four chapters in Philippians, okay? And, and I believe we're going to um, experience some joy in our hearts as we study this, this little epistle. Because the theme of this book is actually joy and rejoicing. It's the joy of the Lord. And when you study 
and, and read through this epistle, you find that the words joy and rejoice and gladness are found 19 times in these four little chapters of Philippians. But it's not just ordinary joy that it's talking about that Paul refers to in this epistle and that we see manifested in the life of the Apostle Paul in this epistle. But it's the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's important. Amen. Because also in this book, it's a book about Jesus Christ. And so Paul mentions joy and gladness and rejoicing 19 times. And in these four chapters, he uses the name of Jesus some 20 times in the book of Philippians. So uh, joy comes from Jesus. Can I get an amen? And there is joy in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only true joy that you will ever have will be joy that you receive in Christ and from Christ. When you think about the joy, as, as we study this book and we we see the joyfulness of Paul as we go through this. Um, we must be reminded of the circumstances that Paul was in when he wrote this book. He was not in a five-star hotel. Amen. He was not in the Hilton or the Marriott. Amen. He was not even, hey, he wasn't even in Motel 6. Amen. <laughs> he was, he was, <laughs> He was, in, he was in a Roman prison. And so the circumstances that Paul was under when he wrote the book of Philippians, we have to take that into consideration that he was not in the best situation or the best circumstances because Paul was in prison. But uh, that just shows us that, that Paul's joy did not was not based on the circumstances that he was in, but his joy was founded in the Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, and it was based in Jesus, where real joy, true joy, everlasting joy, that is where real, true joy, permanent joy comes from. It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, and it cannot be found apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, and joy that is, that is gotten in any other place or from any other source other than Jesus Christ will not be a lasting joy. People People are looking for joy today and they're looking for happiness and they're looking for gladness and most people are not finding it in this world because it's not to be found in this world. It's only true joy can be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the Christian life is anything at all, if being saved and being a Christian is anything at all, ladies and gentlemen, it is to be a life of joy and rejoicing and happiness in the Lord Jesus Christ. There are too many Christians today that walk around with a long face and a sad face and don't have the happiness or the joy of the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, that is not the will of the Lord for our life. God wants us to be filled with his joy in, in spite of whatever we may be facing. Even, you know, I made some comments Sunday about this year 
year, how rough this year. I believe it was Sunday night in talking about the wilderness journey, how 2020, this year's kind of been a wilderness journey for a lot of people and for most everybody. But even in the midst of a pandemic, glory to God, you can have and should have and we must have and maintain the joy of the Lord in our life. Can I get an amen? Now, Jesus made this statement. Jesus said in John 15 11, he said, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Did you get that? He said that your joy, that my joy, the joy of the Lord may be in you and that your joy may be full. We sing about the joy of the Lord. Got the joy of the Lord falling fresh on on me, amen, got the joy of the Lord delivering me, thank God for the joy that is in the Holy Spirit that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ, the joy of Jesus is a personal joy, it's a permanent joy, and it is a powerful joy, and I want to tell you something, Abundant Life, I believe you can agree with me tonight that being a Christian is joy unspeakable and full of glory, and the half is not yet been told. Amen? That's the way we should live our life, filled with the joy of the Lord. There is a joy tonight in knowing that God is your Father and having Jesus as your Savior and the Holy Spirit as your helper and the Bible as your guide and heaven as your home. Man, when you think about that, it's hard not to be filled with the joy of the Lord. If there isn't any other reason to come to church on Wednesday night, it's that you can come to church maybe a little bit down and a little bit sad but you can leave glad you can leave here with the joy of the Lord in your life can you say amen tonight so that is the theme of this book and we see it over and over in the life of in the life of Paul here and in the writings of Paul you know we'll, we'll, we'll get into those those verses where Paul tells this Philippian church rejoice in the Lord always and again I say rejoice and talks about the joy of the Lord in his life now when you study and when, as we study this book of Philippians it is obvious one thing becomes obvious and I don't know, you know, I, 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 we hate to say that preachers have favorites. You know, preachers are not supposed to. But I do believe that it's really obvious that the Philippian church was one of, if not the favorite church of the Apostle Paul. I really feel that. I really believe that. And you kind of get that sense when you study and when you read this book. Because in verse 7 of this first chapter. Um, in verse 7, Paul says of this church, he said, I have you in my heart. And in verse 8, he says, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Christ. He had this church in his mind, as we'll see here in a minute, because he was, he was giving thanks to God for them, for every remembrance of them. So he had them in his mind, and he said here that he has them in his heart. That's a good place to have somebody. It's a good thing to have somebody in your mind, but to have them in your heart. And then he also said that he had them in his prayers, and he prayed for them on a regular basis. 
And so I believe that this church was one of the Apostle Paul's favorite favorite churches and these were some of his favorite people that were dear to his heart and I think we can say without any reservation tonight that not every church that Paul planted and that Paul established not every one of those churches brought joy to the heart of Paul but we know that the Philippian church did I have been a pastor of several different churches and I have pastored churches and people that did not bring necessarily bring joy to my heart come on somebody anybody know anybody that doesn't necessarily bring joy to your heart and there were churches that Paul had planted and that he had established that 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 didn't bring that much joy to his heart as this Philippian church did when you think about the church at Corinth that Corinthian church and we've made mention of this recently how that the church of Corinth was a divine church uh, they had a, a lot of squabbling going on within their ranks there was feuding and fussing they were even suing one another and taking one another to court there in that Corinthian church this church at Corinth the church Corinth was, was selfish it was a carnal church and Paul even told them that he said you're babes in Christ you're carnal you're not spiritual and I had to feed you with milk and not with meat so he was not really pleased or joyful are you with me it was not really joyful or pleased with the Corinthian church I mean the, the the church at Galatia when you study the book of Galatians the church of Galatia was a church that had gotten off base doctrinally they were a deceived church they had forsaken uh, God's grace in the way of salvation and sanctification through grace and, have be and had went back and reverted back to keeping the law, to man's law and to the Mosaic law as a way of salvation and as a way of sanctification and so Paul had to write them a letter and he had to, he had to straighten them out and he had to correct them and he had to rebuke them for some things and get them back online so he was not really joyful about that church there at Galatia or the churches in Galatia. But when you come to this church, when you come to the church at Philippi, you read here and study this book and about this church and these Christians. Let me tell you something about this church. The church at Philippi was a devoted church. This was a church that was full of joy. They were happy in Jesus. They were winning souls. They were loving one another. And this church was a church that delighted the Apostle Paul and when you read through the book of Philippians there wasn't any there was just a very little bit of correction that Paul gave to them concerning a couple of people in the church that were at odds with one another but Paul never mentions sin in this church he has he has praise for them he edifies them he builds them up he uplifts them because they brought joy to his heart this was a group of people that Paul a church that he had planted and he's in love with the Philippian church and that is the way that it should be today in every church and that relationship between pastor and congregation should be the same as it was between Paul and the church at Philippi can I get an amen Praise God. You know, you hear pastors say, well, you know, pastoring wouldn't be so bad if it wasn't for the people. Well, they need to find a different line of work. Ministry's about people. 
Amen? I hadn't lost any of you yet, have I? All right. So in verse number 3, Paul says very plainly what he thought of this church at Philippi. Are you looking at it? Verse number 3, chapter 1, he says, I thank my God, listen to it, upon every remembrance of you. Now, that's a, that's a pastor that's in love with his people and in love with his church. He said, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. So Paul had this church in his thoughts, and he gave thanks. He was thankful for the church at Philippi when he remembered when he remembered them and thought about them and his mind goes back to the forming of this church. We're going to lay a little bit of foundation tonight. Is that okay? Because Paul was saying here in this in this third verse that every time he was saying every time of th- I think of how this church came into being and I think about you all and I think about how God supernaturally planted and built the church at Philippi. He says it causes thanksgiving and gratitude just to well up. He said I'm just overwhelmed with thankfulness. And so when you look at this, one of the most remarkable stories in the New Testament is the story of the planting and the beginning of this church at Philippi. This church's beginning, if you want to read it and study it, we'll touch on some things tonight. I'm going to try to go through this as quickly as possible. But you can read in the book of Acts. I'll give you some homework. Write that down, Acts chapter 16. And if you'll read Acts chapter Chapter 16, that gives, that gives the account of the founding of this church at Philippi. It helps you to go back and read that account. When Paul says, when I think about you and I remember you and, and, and I think about how this church began, he said, I am overwhelmed with thanksgiving. So go back to Acts chapter 16 and read that 16th chapter. But we want to notice some things. Let me give you a few points about what happened in Philippi, in Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 7, it says this. Uh, Luke records this and says that when they had gone, speaking of Paul and his missionary team, Paul is on his second missionary journey. And um, the Bible says that they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia. And notice this, and they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to to Messiah, they tried to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. Do you notice that? They were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach in Asia. They tried to go there and preach, but the Holy Ghost stopped them. And then they, uh, they, they tried to go to Bithynia and preach, and the Spirit of God did not permit them to go there. But I want you to notice something about the planting of the church at Philippi 
and the ministry of the Apostle Paul and this missionary team and notice the direction and the leading and the guidance of the Holy Spirit in all of this. And we're going to talk about how this church was planted. This church was planted supernaturally. And can I say this, that every church plant, every church that is founded and planted must be planted by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of God and must be planted supernaturally. I believe with all my heart, I, I could stand up here and give you the story of Abundant Life Family Church again tonight, but I won't do that. But God planted us supernaturally, has led us supernaturally, has brought us supernaturally where we are today, and God has done some great and mighty things for this church. Can I get an amen? Praise the Lord. But Paul kept trying to go into Asia to preach the gospel, and the Holy Spirit said no. And that's where Paul wanted to go. The Holy Spirit kept stopping him and slamming the door, shutting the door to ministry in Asia. That's where Paul wanted to go and preach over in, 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 in to the east, to China, India, to that area. But the Holy Spirit closed the door to that place. And you know what? We have to learn today how to listen to the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? And we have to learn how to listen to the Holy Spirit. And we have to learn how, and this is an important thing, that we have to learn how to listen to the no of the Holy Spirit just the same as the go of the Holy Spirit. Do I need to say that again or did you get that? We need to learn to listen to the no of the Holy Spirit as well as the go of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Psalm 37, 23 that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Amen. The steps of a good man or woman, a good person are ordered by the Lord. But guess what? The stops of a good man or woman are also to be ordered by the Lord. And when God stops your steps, don't step over his stops. When God stops you, don't push him aside and go anyway. Oh, hallelujah. The Holy Spirit not only has a ministry of leading us, which he does, we're to be led by the Spirit, but part of being led by the Spirit is also knowing when he's putting up the red light and telling us, stop. Don't go that way. Don't do that. And I believe that the inward witness works that way. There's a, it's like a green light and a red light. Amen? The inward witness of the Spirit says no or says yes. The Bible said that the peace of God, let the peace of God, Colossians 3.15, let the peace of God rule in your heart um, by the Holy Spirit. So the peace of God is to act as that umpire in our lives many times. If there's something that you're saying to do and you're praying about and you don't have peace, you don't have the peace, but you got that, that itchy, that, that scratchy feeling that something ain't right. Do you know that's probably the Holy Spirit by not giving you that peace in that situation telling you, stop, no. Well, that doesn't seem to be going over too good, but... 
country preacher said it like this one time. He said, the problem with so many preachers is that they have just went and they ain't been sent. And that's the thing with a lot of ministries today is that uh, they haven't learned the stops of the Holy Spirit. And this is what Paul was experiencing. I remember when, we, when I was in, in high school, and we took driver's education. We had it as a class in high school. That was my favorite class. <laughs> driver's Ed and PE was my two favorite classes. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, but when we got, we got in that driver's ed car, the very first thing Coach Jack Russell began to teach us as we were learning to drive, or as he was teaching us to drive, he didn't, Brother David, he didn't show us where the gas pedal was because we all already knew where that was. We was anxious to get on that gas pedal, but the first thing he showed us was there's a brake, and he had a brake on his side too. Amen. So if we didn't get on the brake and stop, he could stop if he saw that we were not going to stop when we needed to stop. And so that's the way it is with the Lord. We need to learn how God stops us and breaks us. Do you know that God opens doors for us? But do you know that the Lord also sometimes closes doors for us? And the problem that we run in, and that's what was happening to Paul when he was going to, 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 to uh, you know, trying to find direction on which way to go. And he wanted to go to Asia and he wanted to go to Bithynia. But the Holy Ghost shut the door in his face and he couldn't go with that direction. So Paul wisely, instead of trying to kick the door down and do it anyway just because that's what I want to do, he decided the door is shut. He would wait on the Lord. The Holy Spirit had forbidden him to go to the east. Let's wait on the Lord and see what God has to do. Amen. What God has to say. And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus said, I have the key of David. He said, I'm the one that opened doors that no man can shut and I shut doors that no man can open praise God and he told that church at Philadelphia behold I have set before you an open door and no man can shut it can I tell you something today church that when God we just got to wait on God and when God opens the door we got to pray and when God opens the door they ain't no man can shut it they ain't no devil can shut it they ain't no principality or power can shut it when Jesus opens the door he may makes the way for that ministry and for that church. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. So God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. Paul wanted to go to Philippi, or I'm sorry, to Asia, but the Holy Ghost had different plans. God wanted Paul to go to Philippi. Philippi was the doorway to all of Europe. And so instead of turning east toward India and China, Paul turned west because he saw, he had a, had a vision one night. And a man, in a, in, in, at that night in that vision, Paul saw a man in this vision from Macedonia. 
And it's what we refer to and what we, what's known as the Macedonian call. You ever heard that? And, and the man from Macedonia was saying, come over here and help us. And so the next morning, Paul tells his dream, and immediately they know this is the Holy Spirit. They know this is God. They know this is the direction now God's got for them. And so God has now opened the door for them to go to Macedonia and told them that's where that they need to go. So the doorway is open now to Philippi and they go to Philippi and listen to me saints you don't understand I don't think we understand how important this was right here because this church that was established at Philippi and the door that was open there and them going there on this missionary journey this was the doorway to all of Europe and God had turned Paul west instead of east and the gospel went now into Europe and then from there it eventually went into England and then from there it eventually went into America and we're sitting here tonight in Farmington Missouri we are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and we we, are, we have our names written in heaven, praise God, because the gospel of Jesus Christ came to America by route of Philippi. Come on, amen. Woo! This nation is here tonight and is, 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 is a nation that has sent multitudes of missionaries to the foreign fields because of the gospel that went to Philippi. Praise God. That's how important it is to be led by the Holy Ghost. Amen. So Paul was turned by the Holy Spirit to go to Philippi. So don't ever fear when the Holy Spirit stops you. Never fear when the Holy Spirit is leading you because I'm going to tell you, the Holy Ghost always wants what is best for your life. So Paul got this vision. Come over here and help us. So he heads to Macedonia. The doors now open. And there's a supernatural moving. See, when God opens the door, like he did for Paul, I'm still on that third verse. I thank God, my God, for every remembrance of you. This is why he's thanking God. He's remembering how God moved to establish this church. So he, they go to Philippi. And you, when you read that 16th chapter of Acts, you see the moving, you see the operation, the supernatural operation of the Holy Spirit in building this church at Philippi. The first converts of that church, how many know who it was? It was a, it was a lady and her family. A woman by the name of Lydia who was a seller of purple. And uh, when they got to Philippi, I believe again they're being led by the Holy Spirit and they go down by the river where they figured there would be a prayer meeting. There wasn't a synagogue in Philippi. It was mainly a Roman colony, a military colony. So there wasn't a Jewish synagogue there. And Paul goes down to the river and uh, figures there'll be a prayer meeting going on. And there was Lydia and this group of women there. And, and so the, Paul begins to share the gospel with them there by the river and the Bible says there in that 16th chapter that 
that, that the Lord opened Lydia's heart and, and she heard what Paul said and she believed what Paul said and Lydia was saved and her family that was there with her, there were several that were saved there by the riverside and, uh, and came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is the beginnings of this church. These were the first converts of this Philippian church and the Lord had, had, had the spirit of the Lord opened her heart. I think that's so significant because we can preach and we can preach and we can share the gospel but unless the Lord the Spirit of God opens the heart of that individual and prepares the heart to receive the seed of that word there won't be any new birth we need to be praying ladies and gentlemen that the Holy Ghost would move and work in convicting power to open the hearts of people and open the ears of the deaf people to hear I'm talking about the spiritual deaf to hear and receive the word and be born again Again, does that that already excite somebody? And they got saved. Her house got saved, and her she made her house then the headquarters of Paul's ministry. The next person to get saved happened also supernaturally, because there was a as they were going through the town of Philippi, there was a girl possessed by a spirit of divination, a fortune-telling demon. And she was making a lot of money for her, for her masters telling fortunes. And uh, she was following Paul and Silas and, and this ministry group around this. And she was saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed us the way of salvation. These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaimed us the way of salvation. And after a, a little while of that, a few days of that, uh, Paul, Paul, the Bible, I love the way the, King, the new King James says that he was annoyed. He got annoyed. Sometimes things just annoy you in the spirit, amen? And he got annoyed. He'd put up with it all that he was going to put up with it. And the Holy Spirit said, okay, it's time to put an end to this. So Paul just laid hands on her, rebuked that evil spirit and said, come out of her in the name of Jesus. And the evil spirit of divination came out of that young girl. And guess what? When the evil spirit left her, she couldn't tell fortunes no more. That ought to tell you something about the horrible scopes and the palm readers and the fortune tellers and all that. There's one down at Branson. I guess it's still there you, when you're driving down the main strip. It's been there for years. That ha red hand out there, palm reading, it's been there for years. Every time I go by there, I bind that spirit and rebuke it in the name of Jesus and pray in the Holy Ghost while I'm going by. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. But this young girl was delivered, set free. She couldn't tell fortunes anymore. I believe she was saved. She was delivered, set free by the power of God. So now she becomes a part of this Philippian church. The church is beginning to grow. But Paul and Silas, as you know, because of what they did, were arrested by the magistrates. They were, they were thrown in jail. They were incarcerated. They were put in the prison. They were beaten with rods and they put them in the prison. So the devil says, here are a few people's gotten saved. The devil says, we're going to put 
a stop to this revival. It's not going on any farther. So he has the two main missionaries arrested and put in jail. And Paul and Silas could have quit. And they could have said, well, we've missed God. We should have. I imagine, you know, they could have thought, they could have said, we should have went to Asia. We should have went to Bithynia. Paul, you had that stupid dream. And now here we are in jail. But that isn't what they said. They knew they were in the will of God. So at midnight, you know the story. Paul and Silas had a gospel singing jubilee. Glory to God. They gave a gospel concert right there in the middle of the prisoners, uh, of the prison for those prisoners. And in the middle of their praise and their singing and singing those hymns, God sent an earthquake, shook that prison, opened those prison doors, set all the prisoners free. Is anybody here tonight? Hallelujah. I mean, an earthquake's rocking that place. The shackles are falling off. And the prison guard, the jailer, comes out and he's got his sword and he's ready to kill himself because he's assuming all the prisoners have escaped. And he knows he's going to have to give his life for them. And so he's ready to, give his, he's ready to commit suicide. And Paul said, stop. Don't do yourself any harm. We're all here. And he grabbed the light and he sprang in and he fell at the knees of the Apostle Paul and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. Your whole house will be saved. And Paul shared the gospel with that jailer, with his family, with that household that night, and the whole bunch got saved. Is anybody with me? Paul said every time in Philippians, he said every time. Boy, I tell you, if we do one verse at a time like this, we will be here a while. But, 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 but Paul said, every time I think of you, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God, to God for every remembrance that I have of you. I have you on my mind. I have you in my heart. I have you in my prayers. It was truly a church that meant a lot to the Apostle Paul. This great Philippian church was made up now. Here's, here's the beginnings of this church. Here's the beginnings. A traveling sales lady a demon and her family a demon-possessed fortune-telling girl and a jailer and his family and very possibly some jailbirds, some prisoners that probably got saved that night as well. And this is the beginnings of this Philippian church started supernaturally by the power of God. Amen. And this is a letter that is written by a pastor to a church who is in love with his people, with his church. He said, when I think about you, when I, when I give, have remembrance of you, when I think of what God did and how I wound up at Philippi and those of you that had gotten saved and the ministry that I had there, he said, on every remembrance of you, I give thanks to my God in heaven. 
And I'm going to tell you what, that's the way it ought to be. Amen. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah. You know, I'm going to close. I'm going to close. We'll, 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 we'll really dive into this next week, begin to dive into this next week. But, you know, remember, there's a little old story. If I can, it just came to my mind. I don't even know if I can remember exactly how it goes. But uh, the guy tells his wife, said, I... I don't feel like going to church today. I think I'm just going to stay home from church. His wife said, no, you need to go to church. It's Sunday. You need to go to church. And he says, well, why should I go to church? He says, nobody down there likes me. He said, I, I, you know, I don't like half of them. He says, I don't know why I need to go. He said, give me, give me some good reasons why. I need to go to church today, or why I should go. And she said, well, number one, you know, you need to be there because it's just good for you to be in the house of the Lord. It'll do you good. Number two, you need to be there because the Bible says for you to be there, not to forsake the assembling of yourself together. So that's a good reason for you to be there. And she said, number three, you need to be there because you're the pastor. <laughs> And I know pastors have had those kind of feelings before, but Paul was in love with the church, and the pastor should be that way with his church. When a pastor thinks about the church, the people of the church, he should have those same feelings of joy that, that the apostle Paul has. I was reading, somebody said, uh, one of the commentaries that I was studying on these passages in Philippians Ask that question, says, you know, does, what, what kind of feelings does your pastor have when he thinks about you? That almost made me fall. <laughs> what, kind, what kind of feelings does he have? You know, and that'd be a question for every one of us to ask ourselves. Well, when Brother Rick thinks about me, what does he... How does he feel about, about me? Have I been good? Have I been acting right? Praise God. Well, it should be feelings of joy and love, just like Paul had for this church. He said, I have you in my heart, and I have joyful thoughts of you and thank God of you, for you every time I'm in remembrance of you. Amen. Well, praise God. And the church should feel that way about their pastor as well. Praise God. Let's stand tonight. Amen. Hallelujah. I hope you got something out of this. We're just kind of laid a little foundation tonight to get into, um, to get into this epistle. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get deep into it starting next week. I tell you, there's some, just here in this first chapter starting out, there's some very, very good, good, good stuff. Uh, some meat of the word that we're going to get into. Amen. Father, we love you today. We thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you tonight, Lord, for the word of God. Uh, and I, I do pray tonight that you would take this, this word tonight, this teaching tonight, and apply it to our hearts, to our lives. Feel
build this church. May this church be a church and a people that are filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Lord, may no matter what our situation, no matter what our circumstances may be, that we will have the joy of the Lord flowing in our hearts and in our lives. And that our our lives as a, as, as, a, as a people and as a church will be very pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen.